Hey, uh, good morning. It is great to see you all here in person and online. Great to have you joining us online. Uh, We're going to start today by talking about the Great Resignation. You've probably heard about this. Maybe you're even part of this. With the pandemic, loads of people have quit their jobs. And this is actually a big deal. You know, the, the numbers of people that have quit is like off the charts. Over 33 million Americans have handed in their resignations during the pandemic. And it seems like just about everybody has thought about quitting their job during the pandemic. Why? Why is this happening? Well, everybody has their, their own, you know, story. They're, some folks, it's they were afraid of COVID, or maybe they wanted to retire early, or they had, just had to stay home and take care of kids. Yet, there's something bigger going on here. The pandemic has been hard on all of us. And with it, a lot of us have, have kind of took, taken a step back, and we've reevaluated whether our lives, what's going on in our lives, right? D- does my life actually work? Is this the job that I actually should have? Does my life bring meaning and purpose? Does the work bring meaning and purpose to my life? Those are some big, some hard questions, but they're not new questions. If you go back nearly 3,000 years, a super successful guy, he took time to reevaluate his life and, and, he, and his job. And this is what he wrote. The words of the teacher, a son of David, king in, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do, you, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Now, you thought you hated your job. This guy saying your job, his job, everybody's job is meaningless. It's all just chasing the wind. And I know this can be hard to hear. If you're a follower of Jesus, you might be thinking, wait a minute, it's all meaningless, everything's meaningless, that doesn't go with the rest of the Bible, with what Jesus said. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, you might be thinking, I don't want to listen to this depressing stuff. I, I, I mean, it's a pandemic, I got other things to worry about. Please stick with me here. Ecclesiastes, this little book in the middle of the Bible about how everything, all of life is empty, it's actually a powerful gift to us during this pandemic. This teacher, he may be be depressed, but he points us to Jesus in powerful, life-changing ways. In fact, at home, take some time to read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, like Steph. Go through it. It's only like 10 pages long, and it's actually one of the most popular and confusing books of the Bible. Now, I should also probably say that with the pandemic, we also have a mental health crisis going on. And telling a bunch of depressed people to read about how everything is meaningless, that seems dangerous. But I can also tell you, in my life, last few weeks, I've been kind of depressed myself. I've been struggling to get past the lingering effects of COVID, bronchitis. Sometimes I just can't get enough air. And God has used Ecclesiastes to shake me out of the spiritual part of my depression, out of the self-pity, and get my focus back on him. Now, mental illness is serious, and it is complicated. It's physical and emotional and spiritual, and God can help with all of that. I'm going to ask you to both pray for healing 
and get professional help. A good therapist, good medication, that's a gift from God too. Now, stepping back, right? The, the pandemic, the great resignation, so many people looking at their lives, reevaluating, seeing that their work doesn't add up for them. Beneath all of that, and I'll say, we don't normally think in these terms. Normally, we just think, well, my work, my life, it's just messed up. But beneath all of that, there is this beautiful thing. Us humans, we long for meaning, for purpose. We have this beautiful desire for our lives to matter. Now, today, with a great resignation, we're, we're looking at how our work, our careers, our achievements, that those things alone, they're not enough. Alone, they're meaningless. But let me assure you, the message of Ecclesiastes is even worse than that. Many of us, we don't go to work for meaning or purpose. No, for, for us, maybe, maybe what we do is we're chasing after pleasure, right? Uh, Self-satisfaction, indulgence, or, or maybe we're, we're committed to some cause, to fighting injustice. But you know, those things, all of that, that's not enough either. All of that in the end is meaningless too. You gotta love Ecclesiastes. If work isn't your thing, Whatever your thing is, this applies to that too. Now, one other little bit of context here is, as you, as we, as, if you go through Ecclesiastes, it really helps to think of it as kind of like a case study. Like the teacher is doing a thought experiment. You know, when, when he says, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Under the sun is key there. He uses that phrase over and over again in the book. And what he's saying is assume that all there is is what's under the sun. That, that the, the cosmos is all there is and was and ever will be, as Carl Sagan used to say. He's basically saying, assume there is no God. Now, most of us aren't atheists. No, most people actually believe there's a God or something out there. They're just not sure. So, so they live like there is no God. They live like God doesn't matter. Most people are practical atheists or, I don't know, optimistic agnostics. Okay, and, and Ecclesiastes is saying, okay, let's say you're right. Let's say the way you live is correct. Let's do a little case study of how that plays out. Now, we're in church, right? And so it may be hard for us to think of ourselves as practical atheists. But the pandemic has revealed many things. For me, I'll tell you, during the pandemic, I've had folks, I've been chatting with them, and they've been telling me about how hard it is, you know, the, the sickness and the financial stuff and the loneliness, and oh my goodness, this pandemic, it just won't end. Holy cow, and sometimes I'm at a loss for what to say. So I say something lame, like, well, you know, it can't last forever. And immediately I feel this tension, this disconnect inside me, because that's not what Jesus would say. That's not his kingdom coming, him making everything new. No, that's practice. Practical atheism sneaking out of me, and I'm a flipping pastor. We all got places in our lives where we act like there is no God. Let's let Ecclesiastes, let's let the pandemic show us those places. 
Let's, let's, let it, let's see those places and the implication of that, how it plays out. Yeah, I know. None of us want to feel uncomfortable and disconnected and disillusioned. No. But what we'll see today is that actually having an existential crisis like so many people are having during COVID, that that is kind of a gift from God. A gift that opens us up to a new perspective. A, a gift that, that points to a new way of living, a new pattern of life. A life of meaning, pleasing God. So, grab a Bible. We're going we're gonna to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Uh, it's on page 456 in the Bibles we got here. Let's pray and then let's let the teacher show us about work and toil and what it's about. So God, I welcome you here even more. Holy Spirit, come. Come, put power on these words today. Let them go to our hearts, to the place that we really live. And most importantly, Jesus, I ask that you come with your love and you change us today. That we will leave differently for having experienced you here and now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. All right, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, uh, we're going to start in verse 17. Here's the Bible's response to the great resignation. So I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was grievous to me. All of it is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they will have control over all the fruits of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun. For a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave it all, then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all their toil and anxious striving, uh, striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This, too, is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This, too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, who gives, he gives the task of gathering, gathering and storing up wealth to hand over to the one who pleases God. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. All right, there's more in Ecclesiastes, but this gives you a good taste of what he's saying about work and how without God, it, it's, it's meaningless. This is his, his under-the-sun case study when it comes to work. So let's start unpacking it. We're going to start with why doesn't work work for us? 
And again, this is not a new problem. If you just go back 50 years, Studs Terkel wrote this famous book called Working. People talk about what they do all day and how they feel about it. Now, doesn't this sound like Ecclesiastes? This book, being about work, is, by its very nature, about violence to the spirit as well as the body. It is about ulcers as well as accidents, about shouting matches as well as fistfights, about nervous breakdowns as well as kicking the dog around. It is, above all, or beneath all, about daily humiliations. To survive the day is triumph enough for the walking wounded among the, uh, for the walking wounded among the great many of us. Lots of us feel that. On its own, without God, work crushes us. It is meaningless. Now, our culture, our world lies to us. It says that if you work hard, you can be successful. You can achieve the great trinity of happiness, satisfaction, recognition, contribution. And work fails on all three counts. Let's break it down. Uh, lots of self-help books and, you know, encouragement gurus will tell us that our work needs to be satisfying, right? We need to have passion in our work. But the truth is, instead of satisfaction, work alone gives us pain, it gives us grief, and it, excuse me, it gives us pain, grief, and worry. Pain, grief, and worry. Verse 22, what do people get for all their toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. Okay, by pain, the teacher is talking about how exertion, it, it wears us down, right? You know, we fall into bed at night exhausted. Work takes a toll on our, on our bodies and our minds and our spirits, and that's when it's going well. And then grief, right? Work involves being constantly evaluated, and we don't always measure up. There is disappointment and rejection, interview after interview, audition after audition. Yeah, when it's going well, work is pain. And when, when it's not, it's grief. And then at night, it's worry. Right? The more that we build our lives on our work, the more, instead of God, the more we put our life into that, the more and more worry and anxiety we have. Yeah, under the sun, without God, good luck finding satisfaction, a psychological payoff in your work. But surely, we can get recognition, right? A, a social payoff. Nope. Instead of recognition, work gives us alienation. If we go to chapter 4, the teacher says, Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I tolling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Here's the ironic 
punchline. We can, right? We can pour ourselves into our work, do nothing but work. We can talk about nothing but work. We can never have any time to invest in relationships. And yeah, maybe after all that work, we could be successful and people could respect and recognize us from afar. And us humans long for nothing more than to be recognized by the people that we are close to. Work promises to draw us closer to people. But in the real world, what it gives us is isolation. They say it's lonely at the top because it is. Many of us feel that. We work and we work and we are so, so lonely. Strike two. But surely work, it's our chance to to make our mark, right? To to make a, a contribute to this world, to leave a legacy. Nope. Instead of contribution, work gives us futility. But back to chapter two, verse 18. I hate all the things... I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Yet they have control over all the fruit of my toil unto which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. Whatever whatever we create with our work, our contribution, right? We have to hand our contribution off to the next generation. And soon we will be forgotten. And hopefully they're wise and they don't just destroy it right away. But in a way it doesn't matter if they're fools or they're wise. Because in any case, it's going to be destroyed. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be gone, right? You know, the sun is going to burn out. And all of it is going to be destroyed. Nothing we do matters, right? Nothing we do will ever leave a dent. Take a glass of water and stick your finger in it. Pull it out, and that's about how much impact we have. All of our achievements under the sun, all of it, it's just plowing water, right? Without God, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Are you feeling the disillusionment? With the pandemic and more people quitting their jobs, it seems like more of us than usual are feeling it. But most of us aren't. We we just don't think about it. Us Americans, as a people, we're not, I'm not, very self-reflective. Or we just don't think about the everything. We narrow our focus. Like, oh, you know, my, my job or this part of my life, that might be meaningless. But, you know, I go for a walk up on the Lake Superior hiking trail. I'm up there in nature. And, oh, my goodness, it's beautiful. That's got meaning. Or, you know, I hug someone I love. That's meaningful. Or I do something good for someone. That's got meaning. My life's basically good. See, we think about our daily lives, right? We, we don't pull back big picture. We, we don't look at the whole thing. Remember, he, what, what he says before, he says, um, what do people gain for all, all the toil and anxious striving, all their days, they, uh, days of, day, all their days, their work is grief and pain, 
All. The all is important. Most of us refuse to look at the all. But, you know, what, what, makes, what makes the beauty of nature or hugs or doing good things, what makes them meaningful? Right? They're good things, but they are fleeting too. And they can't give the all meaning. What gives the all meaning? If there is no God, right? If nature is all there is, it, then we are just cosmic accidents, right? Our origin is meaningless. We come from nothing. And, and then the sun will burn out, right? If, if where we're going is meaningless, if we're going to nothing, meaningless start, meaningless end, we should have the intestinal fortitude to admit that our lives are meaningless, it's just logic. Yet, many of us don't have the guts to face the fact that without God, it's all, everything is meaningless, utterly meaningless. No, we hold on to our practical atheism because we don't want to look at the implications of it, what it could mean. But now, at this time, right, with the pandemic, with the great resignation, with, with so much, many of us, with all the junk of the last few years, I think many more of us are closer to the truth. We're, we're seeing parts in our lives where we're, we're God, we pretend like there's no God there. We, we act like God doesn't matter in that part of our life, right? It, it could be our careers, our families. It could be our addictions, you know. It might be our, the causes or the pleasures we're going to. We see that those things don't seem to be enough right now. No, they don't seem to be enough. There isn't enough meaning in our lives. We feel this emptiness and we are haunted by it. This pandemic might suck big time, okay? But let's accept God's gift of an existential crisis in the middle of it, okay? Holy Spirit, even now, come Come and show us the places in our lives where it does feel meaningless. It feels meaningless because we're not, we're not connected to you in those places. We're, we're pretending like you're not there, Lord. And, and actually, God, help us to feel some uncomfortableness, some disillusionment, some discontent because you did put this beautiful thing in us, this longing for meaning and purpose. Come, Lord. If we go to chapter 3, the teacher says, what do, what do workers gain from, all the, from their toil? I have seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Yeah, the, the disillusionment, the existential crisis that's supposed to come out of this thought experiment of what's under the sun. What he's saying is God dis, is doing that to us on purpose. It's a burden of being human to have to face the fact that without God, everything is meaningless. It's a consequence of living in this natural world and having eternity on our hearts. I love the way that Tony Evans, the, the pastor in Texas, he describes this. He says, 
God has given every man the question, but he has not allowed life to offer the answer. Every man has eternity in their hearts. You cannot find your purpose in life from life. Because what, because what he set in your heart was eternity. He put in, he, to put it another way, he has made it so that the only way a man can find the answer to the eternal question in his heart is from his maker. He can find it no other place. And the moment you go to life to find the meaning of life, you miss the very life you're looking for. As long as you go to work or pleasure or people or things to find the meaning of life, you've just lost what you're looking for because God has set eternity in your heart. And as Augustine said, man will find no rest till he finds his rest in you. See, for folks who aren't following Jesus, if, if you don't have a relationship with God, the pandemic, all the junk that's happening in your life, the, the ability to see that it is all meaningless, that's actually a gift from God. How are you going to respond to that gift? Are, are, are you going to go to him empty-handed and let him fill up your emptiness with his love? And for those of us who are following Jesus, why is it that we think life sucks so often, right? Why are we so often down? Why do we feel that existential despair? I mean, in our heads, we know Jesus. We know, we know Jesus is good and that without Jesus, everything is just poop, right? Intellectually, we understand why the Apostle Paul would say in Philippians 3 that, that, that it's all loss. It is all garbage, compared to knowing Jesus. We know that in our heads. But in our hearts, we slip back into old patterns. We, we, we look for meaning in our, in our jobs, in our families, in our causes. We, we go for comfort to our pleasures and our addictions. And, and when we go to anything other than Jesus, the meaninglessness, it just floods on back in. And we need Jesus. We need to hear the we need Jesus to remind us. We need to hear the Holy Spirit's voice saying to us, apart from me, it is meaningless. That's why you feel this despair. That's why you want to give up and quit. That's why you're so bored and disillusioned. We we need to hear his loving and gentle voice saying. You believe in God, that there is something out there, in kind of a way, vague way. You, you, you don't really know me, love me. Get down on your knees and come find me. Do you hear that? Because that's a huge gift from God. Him reaching out to us. How are we going to respond to that? Well, Ecclesiastes shows us how to respond to that. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the, the big case study, right? He gives this big uh, under the sun case study. And then in verse 24, it shifts. He steps out of the case study and God is back in the picture. 
A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. Um, this too, I see, is from the hand of God. For without him, who can eat or find enjoyment? To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases him. Pleasing God. Yeah, this is an alternative to our practical atheism. This is a way of living that actually has meaning and purpose. The way of pleasing God. And let me tell you, it's not just like adjusting our attitude. It's not like a checklist for trying harder to follow all the rules. No, this is way more a giant love affair. Where, where you experience God's love and then love him back. Love him back. So what does that look like? I am so glad you asked. Ecclesiastes gives us two ways to press in. So first off, if we go back to verse 26. To the person who pleases him, God gives, gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. Ecclesiastes points out how everything, everything, everything that is and was and ever will be is a gift of God. It's a gift from him. Starts there. It's all a gift. Now, have you ever given someone a gift and they didn't think, maybe they pretended it was from someone else? That's not very pleasing, is it? And you know what's also not very pleasing? To give someone a gift and they refuse to open it. They, they, they won't take the gift. They won't even unwrap it. Do we see that all our good and perfect gifts are from God? Right? How often do we thank him for them? Are we even receiving God's gifts? You know, Jesus, remember Jesus? Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If we were receiving that life, that abundant life, there would be no great resignation. No one would be overworking or underworking or hating their jobs. Yes, the pandemic still stinks, right? It, 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 life is hard and there is pain. But the question is, where are we going for comfort? Are we going to our hobbies and our screens, our addictions? Or, are, are, are we going to, to alcohol or drugs or eating and gambling, shopping, sex, porn? Where are we going? Because those things... That they're never going to be enough, right? They're going to leave us empty at the very same time that we leave Jesus' gift unwrapped on the table. And it doesn't take much. Just, it takes a little humility, a little faith to just open our hands and receive from him. Can we open our hands? Oh, Holy Spirit, Come. Help us to do that. Lord, in that place in all of our lives where, where we act like there is no God, give us vision. Show us that you have something better for that place. You have life and life to the full. Help us to start to receive that, to humbly receive that.
There's another way for us to press into pleasing God. If you get to the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, the teacher, uh, he tells us to keep God's commands, to obey God. Some of us are actually really good at following the rules. Other of us, uh, you know, maybe we've tried obeying and it didn't work, right? We followed the commandments and God never gave us anything we asked for. Right? We, we obeyed the rules, but we didn't get the job, the family, the life that we wanted. Yeah, we, we were obeying the rules to get stuff in this world under the sun. See, why we obey really matters. And, and if we're obeying to get stuff under the sun, you know, to get blessings and healings and success, well, then we're kind of just using God, which can't be very pleasing to him. And we're also, our ultimate goal is still rooted in practical atheism. But there's another way. We can obey God to love him. Now, loving. Loving is way more than just a feeling, right? When we're actually in love, right? When we're seriously in love, we want nothing more than the happiness of the person we're love, in love with, right? Our happiness becomes intermeshed with their happiness, right? We might not like pasta, but we make spaghetti because they like it. We might not like opera, but we go see large women sing because we want to see the smile on their face. We put them first, what if we obeyed God that way? To put him first. To please him. And I know that sounds all beautiful and sentimental, but what if we actually did it? You know, we all have our uh, sin of choice, right? The thing we know is wrong, but we pretend it's like no big deal, and we just keep on doing it. You know, whatever it is for you. I mean, it, 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 could, it could be gossip or gluttony or greed. It could be lying or lechery, whatever that thing is. What if we stop doing that to obey God, to love him, to please him? Holy Spirit, come and help us to love you more. And, and, and what, what if instead of, you know, going to church and giving and serving and helping the poor and reading our Bibles, instead of doing those things because, you know, we're supposed to, because it's our duty, what if we did them to see a smile on God's face, to please him? Holy Spirit, come and help us to love you more. Yeah, I tell you. What, 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 would it be a crazy thing if years from now we look back on the pandemic and we said, oh my goodness, it was during the pandemic that I fell madly in love with God. I, I fell so in love with God during the pandemic. Yeah, you know, it sucked. I got disillusionment, disillusioned during it. But God used that. He came and he loved me. He loved me. And he showed me a different way to live. A new pattern of life, a life of meaning, pleasing him. Let's not lose out on that. Let's ask God for that. Let's open ourselves up and ask him. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me now? We're going to move in a ministry time. I'm going to ask the folks here to stand, you know, online. If you're at home, go ahead and stand up if you want. Just put yourself in a, a posture of prayer. So Holy Spirit, Come. Come now. We need you. Oh, Lord, we need you.
And God, I, I, do, I do recognize all the pain and hardship of the last few years. This pandemic has been tough on us. The economy, the racial strife, the political division. These years have just sucked. Lord, I pray, though, for just a crazy supernatural exchange for each of your followers, for, for your entire church, that we can just hand all that junk over to you. We can just give it to you. Lord, take it all. Take that pain. And just supernaturally, in exchange, you can give us your love and your comfort and your peace. And from that place of feeling your incredible love, we can love you back. We can start to feel meaning and purpose. We can obey you to see you smile. Come, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hey, if you're on our ministry team, why don't you make your way up here right now? This is a really great opportunity for us to just pray for one another wherever we find ourselves in this story. For some of us, we've been going through that existential crisis really all alone and not wanting to just follow the pack of other resignations, but really just feeling that. And we haven't maybe, for some of us, we haven't had the language to turn that around to see how God is actually speaking to us in that. And so if that's you, we're just going to invite you up for prayer, like to come up and, and really like take that thing that you're living in, this moment where you're really dissatisfied with different parts of life and work and family, and actually allow that dissatisfaction to turn God word and allow him to meet you in that. And so, again, if that's you, these guys are going to lead us in worship. I just really invite you to come uh, forward for, for prayer. And then, obviously, like if you're going through some sort of um, health crisis or mental health crisis, we would love to pray with you and come alongside what other professionals are actually doing in your life uh, as we do that. Or maybe if, if you've lost a job or you're looking for work, uh, we would love to pray with you in that. And then there was one other thing. Oh, gratitude. Um, I think that one of the things that God wants to do in us is to reorient us in, in, in a way of gratitude. And it takes a little bit of work to do that. And so, like, if you feel like you're walking through life in a way where you're taking it for granted or you're not seeing all the really cool and difficult things as a gift from him to help you get closer to him, come on up for some prayer. I think God wants to reorient that a little bit. And there's some really, there's some really sweet things that he does with that. This is, really, this is really good, John. Anything else? Yeah, I would say, too, if you're just fired up now to please God, I think some of us, he's reaching so deep into us, and we're like, yeah, God, I want, I want to change why I'm doing it. I want to do it to make you happy. I want that meaning in my life. We'd love to pray for you in that excitement. We'd like to bless that and ask for more of that for you. So if that's you, come up, let someone pray for you online. Click, click request prayer. We'd love to pray for that. 
Um, again, I, I just say thank you for coming to the vineyard. Next week, we'll be back to studying the book of Mark. But let's take some time now to see what he's doing with us during this pandemic, to That's use this opportunity that he's given us. Let's right. not let it just go by. That's right. So Holy Spirit, would you come right now and would you give us courage to just respond to you? Hmm. Just courage to actually lean into one of these things. And it, if God's speaking to you, just right now, begin to make your way up up here for prayer or click the button online. Holy Spirit, come. We invite you in this moment. These guys will lead us in worship. Please hang out in here as long as you want to. Other than that, God bless you guys.